This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 13 For days, Eddie was lost in twin obsessions for Jane and Juliet or magic and dark academia. So when Headmaster Clark had the boys read the Iliad, he cast Jane in the role of Helen. In botany, he imagined Juliet with her potions kept. From his podium, Headmaster Clark might have thought Eddie was taking copious notes. In reality, sordid sketches and noted memories of Scottish folklore lined his notebook. He remained scribbling as the room emptied for lunch. A small hand poked him from behind, and Eddie turned to find Robert Stannard. Robert, he said, slapping his notebook closed. Were you looking for me? Yes, the boy answered sweetly. Mother asked if you'd like to come around today to read your poetry. Eddie maintained a steady cool, but in the pit of his stomach, a fire was lit. I'd be delighted to, but I'll have to go home first. Mother will be thrilled, said Robert. Secretly, Eddie was too. Eddie thought about what to bring. His newest poems described Jane a little too much in detail, and his prose bordered on disturbing with plots involving magic and blood and bones. After class, Eddie explained to his friends that he'd be skipping the river yet again. Come on, Poe, something's up. Where have you been going after school? It's the house girl, isn't it? Tom Ellis chided. Juliet, you like her, don't you? Hey, boys, Eddie has a thing for the mulatto girl. Eddie had seen evidence of Tom's growing bigotry before, but now he was crossing the line, his fist balled up in anger, ready to strike if it came to that. I've seen her, Nat Howard cupped his chest. Very pretty. Not so much a girl anymore, if you know what I mean. The boys broke into laughter. Shut your mouth, Eddie yelled. All of you, you're like a pack of wild dogs. I'm busy, that's all. Besides, it's none of your business what I do with my time. Eddie gave the group a thumb and walked away. Tom called after him. Good God, Poe, it was just a joke. But Eddie had already begun to hike off campus. The moment the group was out of sight, he broke into a run for home. Juliet gasped as he sprinted past her and up the back stairwell. Two steps, three at a time. Papers flew everywhere about his room as he searched for his finest work. He checked his hair in the mirror before heading back down to the kitchen. Never mind the mess in my room. I'll clean it up later. He darted past Juliet out the door. Past Capitol Square, he finally stopped to compose himself. Now at the standard's front door, he stood erect, straightened his vest, and took one last breath. (sighs) Here we go. Again, the butler showed Eddie to the parlor. He shuffled his papers nervously. He could hear Jane walking around upstairs. Even her footfalls are pretty, he thought. She appeared at the parlor door a moment later, wearing a soft pink dress that gave her a youthful glow. Eddie thought she seemed younger than before and even more beautiful. He stood as she entered the parlor, butterflies taking flight in the pit of his stomach. I was delighted to hear you'd be calling this afternoon, Edgar. Thank you, Mrs. Uh, Jane. And please, call me Eddie. Every important woman in his life had called him Eddie, and despite their recent acquaintance, Jane was among them. Where is Robert, he asked, taking note of his absence. Bobby is at the courthouse with his father, loves to play in the judge's chambers. I suppose one day he too will go into law, but I digress. Thank you for coming. I've been looking so forward to hearing your work. 
Uh, if you'll permit me, Miss Jane, I'm the one who is privileged. Eddie grew more comfortable with each poem he read. When he finished, he glanced up at his lovely audience, who offered a warm smile. You are quite eloquent, Eddie. Do you know that? Thank you for sharing your work today. It's no secret that our son adores you. Bobby hasn't stopped talking about you for days. Unfortunately, he also seems to be falling behind in his studies. His father, the judge, and I were wondering if you might consider being Bobby's tutor. You can come here each afternoon if you'd like. It'll be a proper job, and I'll be here too. Eddie smiled from ear to ear, and without waiting for so much as approval from his parents, he accepted the job on the spot. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.